0: I'm Arman, and I'm Aaron, and this is The Open Source Show.
1: I'm Aaron, I'm a cloud advocate at Microsoft, and I'm Arman, one of the co-founders and CTO of HashiCorp. We're here today to talk about security and open source. So these things, just right out of the gate, they seem kind of at odds. And I think when we typically talk about security, we don't think about open source software.
0: We think about closed source, proprietary, and so I think. You're totally right. They don't
1: necessarily blend. Yeah, but you have a lot of experience in this kind of realm. I guess the intersection of open source and security. HashiCorp is a very open source oriented company. Every product that we
0: make is open source. And so when we went out to create Vault, which is our open source source security product, it was natural that we would do it in open source. So it didn't seem odd to us because everything else we do is open source. But I think for the broader sort of security community, it definitely seems strange. And I'm sure we've all committed this crime, which is, we're writing our application and we're like, oh, I need my database password. So I'm just gonna create a variable and put my username and password and just hard coded in my application source code.
1: A best practice is not to copy and paste your database password into your source code. Am I right? Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. Right. exactly. A note to viewers, do not do it at home. <laughs> do not do that at home. Though <laughs> 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 we've all done it, right? Yes,
0: and yeah. I think that particular pain of like, okay, well, I need this database username and password. So where do I put it? Like mm-hmm. it has to come somewhere. I either put it in my source code, I put it in a config file, I put it in sort of an environment variable. I have to put it somewhere, yeah. but none of those are actually secure places, right? Like yeah. if I put it in my source code, well, anyone who can look at the source code can see it. This is you know, a problem we like to collectively refer to as secret sprawl, right? Sprawl, okay. And the reason we call it that is like you have these secrets, API tokens, username, password, certs, and you've sprawled them everywhere. They're in our app code, our configs, in our GitHub, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how do we solve that? It's like, move it to a central place and okay. tightly wrap it. And so what I'd recommend is like looking into secret management as okay. an approach, right? Okay. Bring it into a central place, encrypt it, tightly
1: protect it. And that's our goal with the Vault tool. So you mentioned some heavy-duty stuff. Encrypted, access, access control, maybe a couple other things. Putting my like big company sort of enterprise hat on, that sounds like something that could be super useful for me if like I'm a CTO or something of a bigger organization.
0: Totally. And I think this is the kind of interesting dynamic with like the open source interaction, which is when you typically think, you know, big enterprise hat on, you know, security products, you think about closed source, proprietary, right? Like, you know, you know, the deals are done in the back room and we don't talk about how the technology works. Yeah, yeah. But Draw then you try and say like, okay, well, but vault is like the exact opposite of that, which is like you don't have to trust us. We've literally given you the source code. It's like, go to GitHub and you can go see literally how the tool works. So I think it is a little unusual when you talk about Vault in sort of an enterprise setting is, you know, how do you get sort of a security guarantee of a security product, but also deal with the fact that you're living in open source and it's totally out there, right?
1: Why is it good for Vault to be open source and why does that increase its security? I think what it comes back to is it's not
0: Specific necessarily just a vault, it's kind of, I think, applies to really all open source software, what's called the kind of thousand eyes principle, right? Which is like, if I'm writing proprietary software, let's just say, right? Maybe I write the code and then, you know, one of my teammates does a code review on it and that's it. Those were the two people who looked at that code and really understood, is this safe? Is there a security issue? How does this thing work? But when you start talking about an open source project, great, maybe I wrote it, maybe you code reviewed it, and then we published it, and a thousand people looked at it. A right, a thousand people. Okay. <laughs> and so this is that notion of the thousand eyes. Is it's yeah. like it's not just you as the authors or maintainers. It's the entire community that can now look at the code, audit it,
1: find issues in it. So let me go grab my imaginary devil's advocate hat. Okay, we've got a thousand eyes on the project. Right. Let's say that two of those eyes they are hackers right are they're, they're just you know, looking to mess stuff up, and they see a security vulnerability involved. In what happens then? It's a super good question.
0: How do you maintain these open source projects in a way that you can leverage the community hmm. to increase everyone's security? Common practice is what's known as responsible disclosure. Okay right? So great. if I have a thousand people looking at the source code, you know of those maybe you know two of them are attackers. But you'll have 50 of them who are security researchers, who are oh. going to find issues oh. and are going to report back to you and say, hey, we found this bug or we found this sort of possible attack against the tool. And so how do you enable them yeah. to improve the product? And okay. that's all about responsible disclosure. The worst case scenario is that those people post on a GitHub and say, by the way, everyone, like, here's a huge <laughs> issue that you can use to like, hack the system. Uh, yeah. right? like, what you want is that they come to you as a maintainer and say, hey, we found this issue, here's a possible patch. Like, let's figure out a timeline to get it
1: fixed, Got it. get a new version out there, and then notify the whole community of oh, it. Okay. So, they you, you notify after it's fixed. Exactly. Notify. Okay. So, I heard something about the Kubernetes, like Kubernetes had a security vulnerability, kind of like this. Did you hear about that? Yeah. And I think you saw that exact
0: same sort of thousand-eye principle at work there, which is a set of users that are just using the tool, but are periodically checking like, hey, how does this work? Can it be made safe? Like, is the secure? Found an issue. But then they were able to work with the maintainers mm-hmm. responsibly. Just go here's a big issue. Let's come up with a patch, mm-hmm. and then once there was a fix available, notify the community of okay, let's go get to
1: the latest version, and this issue has been fixed. But that's a perfect mm-hmm. example of sort of open source working well. So that sounds like a really good like interaction between a contributor and the maintainers. So we've kind of touched on the contributor thing, like some best practices, or at least one best practice for contributors mm-hmm. of open source in security. What are some more things that, like, if I go in and I want to work on Vault, let's say, what kinds of things should I look out for? What kinds of things should I do so that I can help? Right.
0: Yeah, it's a super good question. A core idea in security is trust no one, including yourself. I got this. (laughs) Trust no one, including me. (laughs) I mean, it's it's sort of weird to say, but I think in some sense that framing helps you think about what's the right process. And so, for example, what we do is if I'm writing the code, I'm going to get two or three of my peers to review it, but then I'm also gonna bring in an external security auditor. I'm also gonna have this, the community take a look oh, at it. Okay. And so you want to have sort of all of these people kind of looking at this a sort of three-legged tripod approach because oh, you don't trust God. any one of them. You don't trust that I wrote it correctly. I don't trust that you reviewed it perfectly. I don't trust that the community is gonna catch everything, but sort of we're working together to secure this.
1: All right, that's good to remember, the tripod approach. But if I'm a contributor, or maybe I'm a maintainer on another project that's not security related, is there any other stuff I can do to make sure I don't compromise some infrastructure that my product needs or somebody else's credentials or security is it's a whole universe right and we step back from saying
0: maybe i'm not a contributor default i'm just a developer on a different project i'm writing a web service right how do i think about the role of open source there and you know, I think there's a few aspects to it, which is like just like everything, you have to stay up to date with your dependencies. Mm. Like The Kubernetes example is a great example. Like Let's say I'm using that, but I decide, oh, I deployed it. It's working fine. I'm just not going to pay attention anymore. <laughs> well, yeah. there's security issues. There's things that come up. So if you're not paying attention to it and there's a security issue and you just don't update, well, mm-hmm. now you're vulnerable to it. Mm-hmm. As you pull in libraries or as you pull in tools, you have to stay on top of you know, if there's security issues, making sure I'm updating, don't just pull in the version the day you start using it, and yeah. then say like, it works, I'm done here, right? Because yeah. these projects move on. That's a best practice as a developer is stay up-to-date, understand what are your dependencies, uh, because those are the things that sort of come to bite you later.
1: Right. If I can get someone else to like host it for me, or automatically do the updates for me, like a Cloud or a service or whatever it is, that sounds even better, right? Because I don't have to stay up on like what new issues come into the queue, Or responsible disclosure, or anything else like that.
0: Yeah, and I think when we talk about sort of like what are best practices as a developer, like how do I make the security challenges of writing software easier, it's like, it's kind of the same with everything. Like the Mm -hmm. easiest way to do something is to not do it at all, right? And so it's like, if there's some way I can take this problem and make it someone else's problem, right? Like, great, right? Like if I make it someone else's problem, (laughs) right? But it's true, right? It's like that's the easiest way. It's like we have so much to deal with as developers that it's like, okay, if there's a, a service that Azure will give me that will just solve this problem. And now I don't have to bring in a library in my app that I yeah. keep up to date and watch their mailing list for
1: updates. So that's like, great, rip that out of my app, use the service. Now it's Azure's problem, not my problem. <laughs> All right, so where can I read more about like, how to get Vault set up, what it does, et cetera? Where can I go to see that kind of stuff? So there's a ton of good resources. There's
0: gonna be an upcoming Azure Friday video, but in the meantime, I recommend checking out the HashiCorp blog, Vault's website, vaultproject.io or we have a whole set of learning resources at learn.hashicorp.com. We can learn how to use Vault and
1: get more in depth into you know, what problems it helps us solve. Cool. All right, so check out those links in the show notes below. Make sure to subscribe and definitely go check out opensource.microsoft.com for more. Take care, everybody. Thanks.